Good morning. Our Old Testament scripture reading is going to be from Psalm 13. And our New Testament reading is going to be 1 Timothy chapter 4. Psalm 13. How long, O Lord, to the choir master, a psalm of David. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemy say I have prevailed over him. Lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. But I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. And our New Testament reading is 1 Timothy chapter 4. Now the Spirit expressly says that in later times some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons. Through the insanity of liars whose consciences are seared, who forbid marriage and require abstinence from foods that God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. For everything created by God is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving, for it is made holy by the word of God and prayer. If you put these things before the brothers, you will be a good servant of Jesus Christ, being trained in the words of the faith and of good doctrine that you have followed. Have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way, as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. This saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. For to this end we toil and strive, because we have hope set on the living God, who is the Savior of all people, especially of those who believe. Command and teach these things. Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech and conduct and love and faith and purity. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. Do not neglect the gift you have, which was given you by prophecy, when the council of elders laid their hands on you. Practice these things. Immerse yourself in them, so that all may see your progress. Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this, for by doing so, you will save both yourself and your hearers. This is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Oh, gracious Heavenly Father, how we need Thee every hour, Lord. We come to You now, Lord, to ask that You would bless the rest of the service, Lord, with Your Holy Spirit. That, Lord, if there may be one loss today, today would be the day that they would trust in you as Lord and Savior. As I say every Sunday, Lord, it's worth it all for one soul to get saved. I pray for the ones who have backslidden, who are, seems like they are leaving the faith. Convict them, Lord, and draw them back to yourself. Have them renew their covenants with you. Lord, help us to glorify you today, Lord. For that's what all this is about. It's not about any of us. It's about you. And your perfect sacrifice that you made for us. You didn't have to do it, Lord, but you did it anyway. Forgive us, Lord, of our sins and shortcomings. 
and help us, Lord, to live in accordance to your scripture, Lord. I'm thankful for your scripture, Lord, that it tells us how we ought to live and how to please you. And it tells us of your Son, who provides eternal life and escape from eternal damnation. We thank you for that gift, for that grace and that mercy that you have forgiven the debt that we can never repay. Help us, Lord, throughout the rest of the service. Bless Jacob and the choirs that continue to lead us in worship. And fill Pastor Greg with the Holy Spirit in a minute, Lord. May him be hidden behind the cross, Lord, that people may see you. Not him, but you and you alone. It's in Christ's holy name I pray these things. Amen. Oh, it's good to see everyone this morning. Glad the rain did not keep you away. Isn't it wonderful to be together? What a blessing this is. I'm so, so thankful for our singers and musicians, uh, everybody that is just using whatever God's given to, to try to lead in praising the Lord. He's so worthy of our praise. And I want to thank our, our young people for coming up and helping us in the choir. Emma did a marvelous job. I asked her on the spot. She said yes. So, you know, that's, that's the kind of joy in the Lord and freedom that we're just asking God to build and grow here. And uh, I love Connor's reading of the scriptures, and I'm very grateful for Jacob leading us in singing together in the choir. Y'all did a marvelous job today. And brothers and sisters, we are only getting started. I'm telling you, give us a year and let's see what the Lord has done. All right? So remember, as we look to Him, we're, we're leaning upon Him. I, I loved what Connor prayed. This is not about us. This is about gathering in His presence. He's the only one who is worthy of attention and focus and, and praise. So let's take our Bibles and open them now to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. We're going to read today verses 6, 7, and 8. Thank you to Richard and Karen for singing that song. There is no harmony like family harmony. And I appreciate them. That was, that was beautiful. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, beginning at the 6th verse. The Apostle Paul says, We do, however, speak a wisdom among the mature, but not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. On the contrary, we speak God's hidden wisdom in a mystery, a wisdom God predestined before the ages for our glory. None of the rulers of this age knew this wisdom, because if they had known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Father, we ask that you would bless this message. We ask that 
you would take your word and you would strengthen your people with it. That you would give us heavenly minds, minds that are defined by and refined by the things of heaven and not the things of the earth. We pray that if there be a person among us who is lost and on the road to hell, we pray that today would be the day that they are delivered, they're saved, that they turn to Christ, that they hear the message of the gospel, receive Him by faith, and escape the coming wrath. Lord, how we love You that You've revealed this to us. You've told us what's coming. You've told us how to prepare. Give us the wisdom, we pray, to heed Your Word. And we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Back in 1978, there was a book published called Which Way Western Man? The title of which has become a popular meme today. You'll often see it on social media and it looks like this. Maybe you've seen this meme before on social media. It's of for those who might be listening on the radio or listening online, it's a young man who has come to a fork in the road. The single path diverges, becomes two, and a decision clearly has to be made. My title, as we continue our journey verse by verse through 1 Corinthians, is Which Wisdom? The World's Fake or God's real. And we have to make a decision. Which wisdom will it be for us? Now, truth be told, in a prior sense, we already decided long ago. I'm going to show you what I mean by that. God's wisdom, His word was this. Look at Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2 verse 15. Asking the question, which wisdom will we choose? The world's fake wisdom or God's real wisdom? Here's God's real wisdom in Genesis chapter 2, verse 15 at the beginning. The Lord God took the man and placed him in the Garden of Eden to work it and watch over it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree of the garden. But you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For on the day you eat from it, you will certainly die. God's wisdom. But suddenly a serpent appears. And this serpent is God's and man's adversary. And he contradicts God's wisdom. In chapter 3, verse 1, we read, Now the serpent was the most cunning of all the wild animals that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you can't eat from any tree in the garden? 
The woman said to the serpent, We may eat the fruit from the trees in the garden, but about the fruit of the tree in the middle of the garden, God said, You must not eat it or touch it or you will die. No, you will certainly not die, the serpent said to the woman. In fact, God knows that when you eat it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. The woman saw that the tree was good for food and delightful to look at and that it was desirable for obtaining wisdom. So she took some of its fruit and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they knew they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden at the time of the evening breeze, literally at the wind of the day. And they heard, they, and they hid, they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. So the Lord God called out to the man and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And ladies and gentlemen, we've been hiding from God ever since. We hide from God in different ways. It manifests itself in different practices. uh, Different things that we resort to to try to to try to hide out so that He doesn't find us, He doesn't see us. The serpent's wisdom has become the world's wisdom. It's become fake wisdom. Wisdom that isn't real wisdom at all. And you can see where this fake wisdom has gotten us. The prophet Isaiah said, we all went astray like sheep. We all have turned to our own way. And oh, the difficulty, the struggle, the sorrow ever since. I have a friend on Twitter whose name is Chad Rodima. He runs a Christian outreach ministry to truck drivers in Michigan. And he posted a picture of himself the other day with one of these truck drivers who happened to be passing through and came into the chapel where Chad runs this ministry. He said, with this picture under uh, above, he said, meet Rich. Rich came into the chapel and I could tell he was hurting. Rich is going through a separation and misses his kids, and wants his wife back. His aunt died this morning, and Rich is hurting. You see, this world, with its sorrows and its griefs and its disappointments and its wrongs, this world is not the world as God created it. This world is the world as sin has spoiled it. The sin that we first invited according to our own wisdom. 
Solomon said, Ecclesiastes 7.29, Only see this, I have discovered that God created man upright, but they have pursued many schemes. Though the pain and the sorrow and the weariness and regret. And I, I don't know every one of you who's come in this room today, I, I, I don't know what your circumstances are. Even those that I do know, I know how we can all mask what's really going on in the core of who we are. And we can look pleasant on the exterior, but on the interior, we are full of despair. And we look to this fake wisdom, and what does it give us? Nothing. Nothing. It, it has nothing to give. But that's not the only wisdom there is. The Apostle Paul says that opposite the world's fake wisdom stands God's real wisdom. Wisdom for the mature, wisdom not of this age, wisdom previously hidden, wisdom predestined, wisdom unknown to the wicked. Do you know this wisdom I'm talking about? Have you heard of this wisdom? Let me ask you something. Consider could it be that the reason your life is upside down, and you know it's upside down, you can feel that something is not right, could it be that it's because you're not living by this wisdom, by God's wisdom? Could it be that God has brought you here to free you for the real wisdom? His wisdom. I, I would just encourage you to pray, God, in these next minutes, as we look at your wisdom, show me what I'm missing. Open my eyes and my heart to see your wisdom. Now here it is. First, wisdom for the mature. Let's look at verse 6. We're just going to walk our way through these three verses together. Wisdom for the mature. Paul says, we do, however, speak a wisdom among the mature. By mature, Paul means authentic believers, real believers, who have genuinely trusted in Jesus Christ for salvation and who demonstrate mature conviction. They are no longer being childish in their thinking. As he puts it over in chapter 14, verse 20. He's talking about mature believers like those he mentions near the close of this letter. If you'll go over to chapter 16 and verse 15, just stay in 1 Corinthians. Go to 16, 15. Listen to this. This is wisdom for the mature. And Paul says in chapter 16, verse 15, Brothers and sisters, you know the household of Stephanus. They are the first fruits of Achaia and have devoted themselves to serving the saints. You see what this wisdom does when you receive it? You begin, you get out of the shell uh, of the, the, the world that is bordered on the north, south, east, and west by you. 
You get out of that little world and you begin to serve others. I urge you also to submit to such people and to everyone who works and labors with them. I am delighted to have Stephanus, Fortunatus, and Achaicus present because these men have made up for your absence, for they have refreshed my spirit in yours. Therefore, recognize such people. You see, brothers and sisters, there is a wisdom that is taught by the Spirit of God that comes from knowing God in salvation from sin. That's the only way to to know this wisdom, is to know Him. And that salvation from sin then transforms your life. Shogren points out that Paul is being deliberately ironic concerning those in Corinth who feel themselves mature because of their acquaintance with Greek reasoning. But Greek reasoning is like Jewish reasoning, is like Australian reasoning, is like American reasoning. It's all fake wisdom because it has no connection to Christ. Paul said in Colossians 2.3, In Him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. If you don't know Christ, you don't know true wisdom. And I'm telling you, you think you know this world. You think you've got it figured out. You think you understand what's going on around you. You think that until you meet Jesus. And when you meet Him, all of a sudden the blinders are lifted off and you see the world for what it really is. And you see how hollow. I mean, there's just nothing in it. It is so cursed by sin, spoiled by sin, that there is nothing of eternal value in this world. It can offer you nothing. It just gives you little spoonfuls of sugar. And you take that sugar high and you walk off and you're starving. You realize what the hymn says when you meet the true wisdom, the real wisdom that God gives. You know that hymn that says guilty, vile, and helpless. We spotless Lamb of God was He. Full atonement. Full pardon, full sin payment, full acceptance and forgiveness. Can it be? Hallelujah. What a Savior. That's God's real wisdom. It is for the mature. It's for those who genuinely believe. Second, it is wisdom not of this age. Paul says specifically in verse 6, We do, however, speak a wisdom among the mature, but not a wisdom of this age. Not a wisdom of all the epics of human history until the Lord Jesus returns, this age. All the frail, confused, short-sighted, malevolent human thinking that occurs within these epics. We we don't speak a, a, a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age. Notice what he says about them who are coming to nothing. 
rulers and leaders in the first century when Paul wrote this letter, like those who condemned and crucified the Lord Jesus. The Jewish priests, Annas and Caiaphas, the Jewish Supreme Court, the Sanhedrin, the Jewish king, Herod Antipas, the Roman governor, Pontius Pilate, these rulers, these leaders, where are they? They came to nothing. And just like the rulers and leaders in the 21st century, like ours today, who also are coming to nothing. Did you hear Thursday what the special counsel said about the president's mental condition? That Mr. Biden won't be charged with mishandling classified documents in part because he's, quote, an elderly man with a poor memory, end quote. And did you see afterward the president's press conference? You see, unlike the world's fake wisdom, God's real wisdom is stable. It's not like man's wisdom. And listen, what's happening to the president can happen to any one of us. A man's wisdom is unstable. It's, it, it's unreliable. But God's wisdom is utterly stable, utterly reliable, immutable. Why? Because Matthew, uh, Malachi 3.6, I, the Lord, have not changed. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. God's real wisdom is for the mature. It is not of this age. Hallelujah. That means we can come to the truth. And then third, it is wisdom that's previously hidden. Verse 7. See, we're just walking through. On the contrary, Paul tells the Corinthians... We speak God's hidden wisdom in a mystery. Speaking of, of, of God's wisdom in the plan and the purpose of the cross of Jesus Christ, a real wisdom of God that hadn't been previously revealed, but now has been revealed and is being proclaimed to you. Listen for yourself to the real wisdom of God that more than 12 million in Mumbai don't know. That almost 25 million in Shanghai don't know. That 12 million in Moscow don't know. That more than 8 million in New York City don't know. But that you, right here, right now, you do know because it's being proclaimed to you. Look over at Acts chapter 26. Give you an example of this wisdom. Acts 26. This wisdom that was hidden, that God had not yet revealed, but now has revealed. Acts 26.12. Paul is recounting how he was converted to Christ and how 
Christ sent him out to be his apostle of all people, Saul of Tarsus. And he says, here's his account. Here's what happened. I was traveling to Damascus under these circumstances with authority and a commission from the chief priests. King Agrippa, while on the road at midday, I saw a light from heaven brighter than the sun shining around me and those traveling with me. We all fell to the ground and I heard a voice speaking to me in Aramaic. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. I asked Who are you, Lord? And the Lord replied, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting, but get up and stand on your feet. For I have appeared to you for this purpose, to appoint you as a servant and a witness of what you have seen and will see of me. I will rescue you from your people and from the Gentiles. I am sending you to them to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a share among those who are sanctified by faith in me. You see, this is God's wisdom that had previously been hidden, but now is revealed. And Paul is giving testimony of it that through faith in Jesus Christ, salvation comes. Forgiveness of adultery. Forgiveness of blasphemy. Forgiveness of thievery. Forgiveness of immorality. Forgiveness of drunkenness. Forgiveness of lying. Forgiveness of abortion. Forgiveness of abuse. Forgiveness of online affairs. And secret chat rooms. And the power to actually live To finish out your days in freedom and purity and self-control and holiness. This is God's real wisdom. Previously hidden but now made known in the gospel. That Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Not good people. Not just the smart ones. Not just the attractive ones. He came to save sinners. He came to save us. You see, the world has nothing like this to offer. Nothing. I'll show you at the end what it has to offer. It's also wisdom predestined, verse 7. We're not fighting our Bibles 
ladies and gentlemen, not this church. We're going to let our Bible speak. On the contrary, Paul writes, we speak God's hidden wisdom in a mystery, a wisdom God predestined, He decreed, He ordained. Before the ages for our glory. In 1 Peter 1.20 we read that Christ was foreknown before the foundation of the world. But He was revealed in these last times for you. And you remember this over in Acts chapter 2 real quickly. This is the Apostle Peter. He's preaching on the day of Pentecost. And he says this, this is Acts 2.22. Acts 2.22. He is filled with the Holy Spirit. And he lifts up his voice, we read in verse 14, raised his voice and he proclaimed. You see the difference that the Holy Spirit poured out on this man made. This is the same guy, you remember, that cowered before a little servant girl and said, I... I never even heard of this Jesus. Same guy, but different guy, right? Because of the Spirit. Verse 22, fellow Israelites, he says, listen to these words. This Jesus of Nazareth was a man attested to you by God with miracles, wonders, and signs that God did among you through him, just as you yourselves know. Though he was determined, uh, though he was delivered up, According to God's determined plan and foreknowledge, you used lawless people to nail Him to a cross and kill Him. God raised Him up, ending the pains of death, because it was not possible for Him to be held by death. And then He quotes some of the Old Testament. What is He saying? He's saying that these things that occurred Involving Jesus of Nazareth, these things were predestined to be. That's what he says. That God mapped them out to be done without doing violence to man's will. God being, as Barnes put it, so full of wisdom that he appointed in his own purpose before the foundation of the world a plan from which eternity He determined to execute. It was not a new device. It had not been got up to serve an occasion, but it was a plan laid deep in the eternal counsel of God and on which He had His eye forever fixed. You know, we sing, don't we? Behold the Lamb, right? Slain from the foundation of the world for sinners crucified. Oh, holy sacrifice, behold the Lamb, the Lamb of God. There's simply no wisdom like God's wisdom. His real wisdom for the mature, not of His age, previously hidden, predestined, and last. Unknown by the wicked. Now look at verse 8. None of the rulers of this age, this age rulers, none of them knew this wisdom. The real wisdom. God's wisdom. 
Because if they had known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. You remember what Jesus prayed on the cross? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He voiced this truth, that God's real wisdom was unknown by the wicked. When the Sanhedrin, Herod, and Pilate agreed together to crucify Jesus, they didn't realize the reality of their decision. They didn't realize the the truth of what they were doing. They failed to see the King in His glory. They failed to see the glory of what He had come to do. Paul says here that had they known the counsels of the Lord, they would not have crucified the Lord Jesus. So they're excused then, right? No. No, they knew this much. They knew that they were torturing and they were killing an innocent and just man. And they knew that they had schemed to set the whole thing up. Matthew 27, 20 says, The priests and the elders persuaded the crowds to ask for Barabbas to be released and to execute Jesus. Can you see those religious leaders doing that? Dispersing amongst the crowd? Pulling on this man's robe and this man's garment and saying, Hey, tell him you want Barabbas released and crucify that Jesus. Stirring up the crowds. Willingly, you see? They did it. They wanted to do it. They were willingly but unwittingly taking part in the central act of God's salvation plan. That's God's real wisdom. Unknown by the wicked. Predestined, previously hidden, not of this age, and for the mature. God's real wisdom versus the world's fake wisdom. I'm asking you this morning, which wisdom is it going to be for you? Are you living according to the wisdom of God? that Paul sets forth in these verses? Or are you living for the wisdom of this world? That isn't wisdom at all. Fake wisdom. That when there's a crisis in your life, I'm going to tell you right now, that fake wisdom is going to fail you utterly. When there's a diagnosis... When you've lost your job, when she's walked out on you, when he's walked out on you, and you've got nothing, that fake wisdom will fail you. But not God's real wisdom. Which is it going to be for you? Last night around nine... CBS Evening News broke the story, and I'm reading the lead word for word. 
after completing her three sold-out shows in Tokyo, Japan, Taylor Swift has landed in the U.S. and is expected to be at the Super Bowl in Las Vegas in time for the big game. No doubt you're as relieved as I am. That's an actual news headline that captures about as well as anything what the world genuinely has to offer. If you can see somehow how quickly this is going to be utterly forgotten, if you can if you can see how fake the entire wisdom of the world is, then you're starting to see the wisdom that God has in its place. Make God's real wisdom your decision. We baptized two last month. Will you be next? Come out from this world. Have done with lesser things. Come to the Lord Jesus Christ. Cast yourself upon Him. Christian, if you're bound up, if you've been chained to something, ask Him to get you free from that. So you can love Him and serve Him like you want and like you ought. I am resolved no longer to linger, charmed by the world's delight. Things that are higher, things that are nobler, these have allured my sight. I will hasten to Him. I will hurry to Him. I will hasten so glad and free. Jesus, greatest, highest, I will come to Thee. Let's pray. Oh, Father, please in Your mercy, save the lost. Make him so sick of his sin, so weary with the return, the breaking free, the return, the breaking free, so, so weary of it that he finally throws himself entirely upon your mercy. He takes hold the legs and the feet of Jesus and from his position at Jesus' feet he refuses to let him go until forgiveness comes and he hears those blessed words your sins are forgiven 
Father, if there's a Christian here who's been playing in the mud, lift him up. Clean him off. Help him to walk now faithfully. Not looking back, but looking forward. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, without any, without any music swelling, without, with zero manipulation, is there someone here that would want to profess Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior for the first time? I want, to, I want to confess Jesus Christ as my Lord and my Savior. I want to follow Him in baptism as He commanded. Is there anybody? I'm going to tell you what. When the Lord moves in His power that way, is irresistible. And if you don't know it yet, just keep coming. You may say, I don't, I don't know that I believe the stuff you're saying. That's okay. Keep coming. Put yourself under the preaching of the Word of God and ask God to bring this home to you. He'll do it.